The following programming is sponsored by Clean and Sober Media. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. If you need immediate help, please call the National Substance Abuse and Mental Health Hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. Welcome to Clean and Sober Radio, brought to you in part by Jefferson University Hospitals and Thomas Jefferson University, providing excellent clinical and compassionate care in the Philadelphia region, a proven leader in healthcare and education since 1825, and Acadia Healthcare, with locations on the East Coast. Acadia maintains a standard for excellence in the treatment of behavioral health and addiction concerns. And now, here are your hosts, Gary Hendler and Mark Sigmund. Hey, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. Clean and Sober Radio features real people with real stories about addiction to drugs and alcohol. Mark, what do we have this week in addiction news? So a San Diego man, 19, has been left severely disabled after taking a legal high called salvia and jumping out a fifth floor window, wanting to experience something otherworldly. Sam Taylor took the drug, which is legal in 21 states, and his body is now held together by 62 pieces of hardware. He needs to, um, you know, he has a wheelchair. Uh, Salvia is part of the mint family, and it creates an LSD-like high, but it's very short-lived and can be smoked, chewed, or inhaled over the counter. I have two questions for you. What do you mean it's part of the mint family? And number two, is it used for anything legitimately? That I don't know. Um, I do know it's part of the mint family, but supposedly we have a reaction. It affects our brain in the same way that LSD does. But LSD can last hours. This is supposedly short-lived. I'm not sure how long. Um, But what's really concerning is there's a lot of over-the-counter drugs being sold, such as Delta 8, which is this close to Delta 9. Um, uh, you know, at head shops and things like that. And salvia is sold throughout California. Um, and so this guy had this reaction, jumped out of fifth store building, fifth store story building. And what a tragedy. Crazy. What else you got? So it came out this week that a study out of pediatrics that half of all poisonings in young children involved opioids. The new study found that in recent years, opioids were among children five years and younger in the United States went from 24% in terms of the overdoses and deaths in 2005 to 52% in 2018. For instance, 42% of 731 fatalities of children one year and younger was a result of overdosing on opioids. (laughs) And what we're seeing is this is fentanyl. This is fentanyl. They're getting a hold of the fentanyl. Tiny, all you need is a grain of salt, and it can kill a young kid. Wow. It's all all scary stuff, isn't it? It's And it's not going away. And it's not going away. And, you know, for anybody that's still using, be super careful with your kids because they just get a little tiny bit of this and, you know, can stop their breathing. Yeah. Listen, when we come back, first of all, Linda E. is with us today. We're very happy and grateful because she always adds a lot to the show. And my question is, can an addiction be a defense in a criminal proceeding? We'll be right back for the answer. This is Clean and Silver Radio. 
A cancer diagnosis can knock the wind out of you. The Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center at Abington Jefferson Health can help. Our brand new Asplund Cancer Pavilion brings you 86,000 square feet of cancer-fighting science for truly comprehensive care. Backed by the strength of an NCI-designated cancer center. Call 1-800-JEFF-NOW. The Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center at Abington Jefferson Health. The power to outscience cancer. Hey, everybody, this is former Philadelphia Flyer Chris Terrain, and you're listening to Clean and Sober Radio. 888-728-9941. This is Clean and Sober Radio. We can also be heard on these great stations across the country, WGAC in Augusta, Georgia, WHFS, Tampa, Florida, and the big talker, WWWE, 1100, Atlanta, Georgia. All over the country. All over the country. And spreading. Absolutely. Linda, welcome back to the show. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. So I thought today we would have open discussion, but I would like to talk about the Alec Murdoch trial Mm -hmm. and what led up to his conviction. And um, I, I think it's appropriate for this show because he actually used his opioid uh, addiction uh, as a defense in murdering his uh, wife and his son, Paul Paul. What do you think, guys? I saw this. Um, I forget how much they were saying. The lawyers were saying whether it was $50,000 a week or seventy five. It was ridiculous and not true. You know, um, they were coming out and saying that he's using these exorbitant amounts and that's one of the reasons why this happened. And I, you know, the stigma behind this, let's blame drugs and alcohol, um, really is an issue, really creates a problem. It, it definitely is. And I want to just jump back for a second. Uh, for uh, those of our audience who, who are not familiar with the Murdoch uh, murder case, uh, the Murdoch family uh, from South Carolina were major influencers in the legal system for 100 years. Um, <clears throat> they were prosecutors, uh, and there was <clears throat> always a lot of drama with this family. Uh, you know, besides this murder, there are still some open cases yeah. of murder. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, uh, Alec Murdoch is the is the uh, defendant who was sentenced uh, this week to two lifetimes for killing his wife and his son. And um, as I said, there's still some open cases with him. He was also arrested several times uh, for trafficking narcotics, uh, especially opioids. There's so much drama and craziness in this family. But this happened in 2021 uh, that he used a shotgun and another long rifle to kill his wife and his son. And he was convicted this week. And as I said, his defense was – Opioid addiction. So I, I'd like to, you know, keep going with this. Is addiction a defense when you're being tried for a criminal uh, act? Well, the most it can be is a mitigating circumstance. It doesn't take away that the person did it. So they're going to say, yes, he did this, but it's mitigating. It's to reduce the sentence. You can't use it as an excuse for murdering somebody. You obviously can. And when he first came out with it, that it was an opioid thing. It was to try to cover up the millions of dollars he took from the firm. And there's no way, like Mark said, no way that opiates cost that much, especially for a guy who could probably get it from any doctor in South Carolina. So I don't think he was paying $50,000 a week to anybody. I think he just stole the money because he was greedy. Maybe he took opioids. Maybe he didn't. But, you know, he's trying to – I think people try to use it as a mitigating factor. It's not like you black out like with alcohol. 
Yeah. He knew what he was doing. And, and, and uh, the three of us have known hundreds of people who were addicted to opioids. And I don't know one person that killed their family. No, either. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I was actually just happy that he got convicted yeah. because they were missing. There wasn't a lot of real evidence well, that, uh, that they had. from the kennel. That's what's yeah. in. in. Yeah, you're right. That Linda. his son had made a Snapchat and they could yeah. hear his voice in the background. He was denying he was there. They couldn't prove he was there. And when they got that video, that was it. I mean, not that everybody in South Carolina didn't already think he was guilty. Yeah, they didn't have a But gun. they needed a little evidence. I mean, but that's horrible. Imagine being so selfish and greedy that you kill your family because you were going to have to come clean about your son's DUI in the boat. Yeah, I mean, opioids oh. don't do that, do they? No. no. I mean, opioids no. might do that, might make you steal stuff and, and right, do all right. that. But to kill your family. And, you know, he entered a rehab um, in September of last year for opioid addiction. Uh, but, but as Linda said, Mark, you know, it, it, it's a mitigating uh, factor in a case, meaning uh, it's something you can use to say, well, this is why I did it, because I was using drugs. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's kind of it reminds me of, you know, somebody gets vehicular homicide. Right. And they've been drinking and they go out and they kill somebody on the road um, that, you know, they still get vehicular homicide as the charge. Right. right. And, I um, had a client that he yeah. was convicted of that a few years ago and he's still in jail. And um, he really did not remember a thing. He was drinking and on oh. benzos. Oh, and between the benzos and the drinking, it was a total blackout. He didn't have any recollection of what happened. And he did kill somebody. So he's still in jail. That's right. But I mean, it's a mitigating factor. Yeah. You can say, well, we're going to put you in treatment. We're going to do all this stuff while you're here. But it doesn't change the fact that he got in the car knowing he was high. Yeah. That's exactly right. And benzodiazepines, well, on a side note, are big time blackout. And people talk about stealing. And I had somebody one time that robbed a 7 Eleven um, mm-hmm. high on benzos, blacked out, woke up the next day and had um, robbery charges on them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of people that, that that's the big thing with benzos is blackout. these blackouts. But not opioids. You don't blackout. Yeah. I mean, you know, the legal system, uh, the legal community, I, I know they're going. You know, and they're considering addiction, you know, as a disease. And it's used when sentencing is imposed, but not for murder, you know, uh, multiple murders. And, you know, e- even what you just said, even uh, vehicular homicide, you still killed somebody. Right. You have to take some kind of responsibility. Exactly. And what about his son? Oh, my God. Right. That, that was driving a boat under the influence. And there were and the videos of killed. him getting more liquor and using his brother's ID. There was so much. But that was going to cause so much shame that the mm-hmm. kid was going to have to come clean, that the father kills him and the wife. How about the housekeeper? Oh, my God. Who, who oh. She fell down the steps and she died. And they and, covered it up. And then the insurance money came to uh, Alex Murdoch and he stole all the insurance money. And he had accomplices, other lawyers that took the case for him and sent the money right to him. It was crazy. How about when he had that guy shoot him, allegedly shoot him on the street? The distant cousin. This story is just – The distant cousin and everybody in South Carolina's cousins and I can attest to that because there's about 35,000 of them in my tree. So (laughs) you know, he asked this guy to shoot him and the guy's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Are you crazy? 
You see, kids, don't take drugs because this is what happens. Yeah, and give us a call if you have any thoughts at 888-728-9941. Tell us what you think about the Alec Murdoch case and if drugs is a mitigating factor here. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And I I would just like to say, you know, if you're just listening to us and you want to watch us live Friday right now, go to Facebook, to our Facebook page, Clean and Sober Radio. And uh, we have a lot of people that are watching right now. We're going to mention them in a little while. Um, but that's how you can watch. That's how you can it, – it's double enjoyment of this wonderful show. You know? Yes, and press the share button. Um, share yes, it across please. your platform. Post it. Um, we'd love to get the message out even more. Yeah. Mark or Linda, either one, that drug that is called Zyolif- what is that? Xylazine. Xylazine. Right. What exactly is that? So it's it's an animal tranquilizer, um, which is been it's mixed with basically all the heroin in the Philadelphia area right now. Um, and the problem with xylazine is people are getting these wounds, and which are sometimes um, ending up in amputation for kids. As you know, twenty year old kids are getting getting limbs amputated by xylazine. And another problem with it is people are getting detoxed off of heroin. And what they're finding is they're still detoxing and they're figuring out that they're still detoxing because they're detoxing from xylazine too. Oh, really? Uh, yes. And uh, I don't know how much is put on put in the, uh, the fentanyl. Um, Brad and I were talking about it before the show. And you can overdose from xylazine. Um, now, it's not the same as fentanyl, but those two mixed together – I'm sure probably increases the the overdoses and deaths. Does Narcan have any effect on that kind of overdose? Not on xylazine. Um, it would on the fentanyl. I don't know how. Do you, Linda? Do you know how they 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 work with a xylazine overdose? They have to just like you know cold turkey them. There's nothing they can do. They yeah. can treat them for the fentanyl and the heroin in the meantime, or the pills and the oxys. They can treat them for. There's nothing they can do for that. And I just yeah. read an article this morning about Kensington where. It's not just causing sores. It's actually rotting flesh, and you can smell it now oh. when you go down. The, the two groups that go down, if not for grace and aim angels of motion, the two groups that I follow that go down to Kensington said that when you get near one of these people, it's the smell is rotting really? flesh, that you can smell it like a block away. And they're still using and still doing yeah. more, and they'll go in for a treatment and then they'll check themselves right out of the hospital as soon as it's bandaged up again and then they'll go right back to it. Well, that's the disease of addiction, it's, isn't it? When you think it can't get worse, it gets worse. It's continuing to get worse. Blows me away. And and you know, we were we had somebody on the show before that was talking about it. they'll bring somebody back using Narcan and the person will still be really debilitated because they still have the xylazine in them. Yes. Um and you know, they'll be They'll be very much debilitated, and so it's really complicating those cases with overdoses too. You know, in the big picture, guys, is this ever going to get under control? We were talking about this, Brad and I, before the show, and about the idea of treating this like a chemical weapon. I mean, do you – you know, send the military in on some of these places in Mexico. Uh, you know, I mean, is this a real conversation that we have when you're having 100,000 people die from overdoses, mm-hmm. something like 70,000 from fentanyl a year? 
Uh, I mean, is this something where we have to go to that level? I don't know the answer of it, but the synthetic drugs are Well, next week we have a woman coming on here whose daughter um, was killed and left in a box in Kensington. Mm. And uh, she has now spearheaded this group. She has 17 or 22 attorney generals from different states. They're trying to pass a law, and Senator Lindsey Graham is behind this. They want to make this terroristic charges against – uh, these groups that yes. are supplying it. I'm, I, look, I don't agree with Lindsey Graham with anything, but I do agree with him on this subject. It should be ter- they should be charged as terrorists. You know, one of my friends is a retired anesthesiologist, and we saw an OD the other day where a guy, they identified four different kinds of fentanyl, and my friend told me there were actually seven, eight, or 15 different kinds. And usually you can only get those hospital level. So now they're out on the street. We don't know how they got there. We don't know what they're taking. There's different levels for the kind, how much out you want the person out. There's all these different kinds, and it's not just more fentanyl. They're different chemical makeups of fentanyl. So this stuff is out there. It's being made, and it's not just coming from Mexico. People here are making it. Yeah. Hey, if you're just joining us now, um, uh, Linda, he is with us, and, of course, Mark's here. Um, and we're talking – it's an open discussion. So as Mark you know, read off the uh, phone number, the one eight 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 seven two eight nine nine four one, call us. Give us your views on, on the subjects that we are, uh, that we are talking about today. Um, this is a good forum for you to get your thoughts out and maybe when you call, somebody will react to your call and it will be uh, very informative. Um, Maureen D. from Lexington, Kentucky writes – I am scheduled for surgical procedure, and I am afraid of the pain meds. What should I do? Talk to the doctor, right? And, and, you know, make sure you have a legitimate doctor with this. And one thing that we always say in recovery is have somebody hold the meds for you if you have take-home meds. Uh, You know, have somebody be divvying them out um, as prescribed to you. Um, definitely only take them for as long as you need them and, and get rid of the, the rest. I mean, whether it's, there's these take back drug, take back, uh, places you can go and, and things like that and be extremely careful I and mean, be extremely honest with yourself. You know, as addicts, we can play any game we want in oh, our yeah. head very easily. You have to be really honest with yourself. And, and Mark, you're right. The doctor should know really what is a legitimate amount of pills for for a, a surgical procedure that a human being would need, not sixty or ninety when you only need twelve or eight. You know. Yeah, I mean, I my my wife was sent. This was back in two thousand ten. Um, she had uh, a C section, mm-hmm. and she was sent home with a thirty day supply of Percocet. That's enough right there where somebody can get physically hooked, you know. And so you're talking a new mother, right, a, a new mother getting them hooked on opioids right from the get-go. And right. that really made me take a step back right there. Yeah. I think they can only prescribe five to seven days now. Well, that's you right. have to go back to the surgeon for the, more because my husband's yeah. about to go in for yeah, um, back surgery That's in the, the prescription monitoring program Thank God. that is supposed to work. Right. Nothing's perfect. Yeah, thank God. And, and you know, the prescription monitoring program, it's interesting because I've talked to doctors and things like this, boxing doctors and things where they're able to go onto a site and see if people are getting multiple prescriptions. 
And it's been very helpful. Yeah. I mean, it's been extremely helpful. Yeah. This only came in in the past few years. You never used to be able to unless mm-hmm. they went to the same drugstore. So you used to go to multiple doctors, multiple drugstores. Now, the minute you bring the person up, you can see everything. Every doctor visit, every prescription. That was passed so, in 2015. Right. In Pennsylvania. Look, I remember the old days. Linda, I know you did. We would travel from doctor to doctor to pharmacy to pharmacy. Did you ever get involved with that more? I did not get involved with doctor shopping, Gary. But if I was your friend back in the old days, I would have been right next to you. Uh, you would have been behind Linda. And behind Linda. <laughs> and all our other friends. I would and also and everybody be a, else we knew. Right? I'd be a client at your clinic that you opened up to. Yes. That's right. Listen, if you're, if you're listening to this and, you're, and you think you need help or you have a loved one who needs help – Please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-HELP. And what's the number for the suicide? 988. Uh, So important. You know, if if you're feeling hopeless, um, call that number, 988, just like 911. Give that number a call. Right. And where – is this a national? This is a national yes. number, right? Yes. I wonder. Is it the same folks that are answering the eight hundred six six two helpline? It's a different different group. Yeah, I have no yeah, idea. Suicide hotline is national. Yeah. And every it's a different group answering the phone. Yeah. But they are trained in suicide prevention, so they can help. Good. You know, it's great that you know, in, in the last couple of years, you know, it's going in the right direction for help. Unfortunately. The damage from addiction is increasing. So it's 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 unreal. I mean, you know, like you said, there's just more and more deaths every single year. Um, I did. We were talking about it a couple months ago about the possibility of a vaccine being developed for synthetic drugs, which I thought was pretty exciting. And if that comes to fruition, that could be a real help here. Well, what were you talking about before the show? You you predict in in the far future that there'll be implants in people's brains. Yes, I I was thinking about this, and you know where they'll be able to have this, whether it's an electrode on on top of your head or whatever, and they're going to be able to press a button and get whatever high they want to get um, from the computer. Um, I don't know if any of this is tr- well, true. Guess what? But don't it, laugh because it, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just you know. This is kind of a stupid comparison, but you know, like sixty years ago, they would they said you could have you have watches on that you yeah. could you know watch TV or whatever. And everybody mm-hmm. laughed, ha ha ha. But you know, you might it might be the uh, but that's not a solution. No, <laughs> I mean, I guess they wouldn't OD. Well, maybe they could still on that, but you know, imagine that if people have such access where they can just go on their home computer and go to some cr- crazy site and get high by pressing a button. Um, Big problems. What do you think, Linda? That's crazy. It's just crazy. I think it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Anything's possible. Okay. Um, anything's possible. Um, all right. So uh, if you're just joining us, uh, uh, Linda, Mark, and I are talking a wide range of things that obviously have to do with addiction and recovery. Um, we talked about the Murdoch trial, uh, the connection of using an addiction as a defense in a in a trial, and look, that's used all over the world. That that kind of stuff. So it's open. Give us a call one eight 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 seven two eight nine nine four one, and we will come back. We expect to have a full load of phone calls on our computer, so we can answer and discuss 
all sorts of stuff. Let's light up the boards. This is Clean and Silver Radio. Huntington Creek Recovery Center is Eastern Pennsylvania's premier provider of transformative care for individuals whose lives have been impacted by addiction. Our 40-acre campus offers a tranquil, recovery-focused environment. We specialize in evidence-based care that addresses the effects of trauma and offer a unique program specifically for adolescent males. Huntington Creek Recovery Center can help you achieve lasting sobriety. Call us today at 844-948-2320. What's happening? Brandon Novak here from those movies, Jack Zor, author of that addiction memoir, Dream Seller. Do me a favor and tune in to Clean and Sober Radio with Gary Hendler. 888-728-9941. This is Clean and Sober Radio. Hey, you want to watch us do the show and just not listen? Go to Facebook, Clean and Sober Radio page. Uh, just like these fabulous folks, uh, Debbie Reynolds, Frank DeSantis, Ted Klotz, Kathy Wolf Collin, Frank DeSantis, opioids are the devil. That's that's for sure. Jack Starkey's watching. Bill Stahl is watching. Uh, Stephen Sussman is watching, and we know he's watching from West, West Palm, Palm Beach, Beach, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Ted Klotz says, um, I didn't think – you're out of your mind on opioids, not a defense. Yeah, we just I, I think that's right. You're I, agree. Not, I, I guess there's a degree where you if you took 50 of them, you'd be out of your mind. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It's it's ridiculous. Alex DeSalvo, DeSalvo, Linda McLaure Quinn. Oh, did I? I hope I didn't. Uh, Linda Quinn is watching. Uh, <laughs> Kristen Norman's watching. Zachary Cooper is watching. Stuart Anglin is watching. Uh, you have so many more than me. Oh, I don't know I, why. why. Why is I that, I think Mark? you're – well, first thing, you're the host and you're, you're more popular because <laughs> I only have a few, but I love well, my Who people. are they? Let's uh, hear They're it. all on yours too. Right. Every right. name except yeah, I for – I only have nine. Nancy Minnick though. Oh, oh Nancy reached out to you and not I to me. I think so. All yep. right, Nancy. Is that how you're going to be? Yeah, and Zach Cooper's on mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. our Montgomery County, <laughs> D, best DUI attorney in Montgomery County. And, Maybe and, he can call in about the mitigating uh, circumstances. Ooh. Well, he's, Give us he deal. could probably, but he's, he specializes in, well, in you know what? Zach, why don't you call in? Call us up, Zach. 1-888-728-9941. Good, good point. Linda, what do you have there? You have anybody? I got nobody. Same people as you, Nancy Minnick and all that. My people, I shared it, but I don't see anybody watching. Okay. Look, we know people. People get intimidated <laughs> by calling in here. I don't know. Why. I don't know That's why. Sometimes you call them chicken, and I know that doesn't help. Okay, <laughs> Chelsea G from Scottsdale, Arizona. All right. Can a parent make an adult child go to treatment? No. <laughs> well, you. Go uh, Go ahead. I have my thoughts on. Let me tell you what my thoughts are. You can't make them go, but you can use certain tactics to make them go. Yeah. Like take Cutting away their off. cars, take yeah, away yeah. their money, you know. Got to use your leverage. leverage. You know, I talk to families about that, whatever leverage you can get. And, you know, speaking of leverage, and, and I think we got Zach calling, but speaking of leverage, Wait. sometimes it's, it even involves, you know, pulling in the PO on a situation or, yes. you know, uh, playing hardball, you know, um, yeah. as your leverage. Yeah, absolutely. We have a caller on the line. Welcome to Clean and Sober Radio. Hello. 
Okay. Hi, welcome to Clean and Sober Radio. How are you? It's Alex DeSivo, the attorney who's in recovery. I've spoken to you before. Alex, Hi. we know Alex. who you are. Alex, give us your thoughts on this subject, would you? So I couldn't wait to call in, but I was, I was working. So uh-huh. I – listen, I represent people with addiction problems. I had an addiction problem. It's certainly a defense for possession and things like that. And I have to say the New Jersey courts do a tremendous job with drug court and getting people the help they need, right? It may be forced recovery, but it gives them the path. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to these more serious cases, like the the South Carolina case you're talking about, I don't buy it. And listen, I'm a recovered addict, and I'm a criminal defense lawyer, and I don't buy it because the act is so egregious. Does that make sense? Yes, Yes. sure. Sure. What if you used that defense in in his case? Representing someone, I would use every defense, right, because I'm duty-bound as – Right. To, to, to fight as hard as I can. But it would make me feel uneasy. Right. And if it was an assigned case, I'd do it. But if it was a retained case, I would reject it. And here's my theory. And I joke with the guys at my recovery house about it. And I, I joke with people about it. But I'm serious when I say it, that some people and I, I laugh when I say it, give drugs and alcohol a bad name. Mm. Some people in our community, <laughs> right, yeah. they make these just horrific decisions that aren't really addiction. They're just bad decision makers with bad thoughts and bad things, and you can't really blame it on the drugs. Does that make sense? Absolutely. For me, it does. You guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. See, when, when I was ripping and running, I would make decisions, and, you know, and I share about it in meetings now today with my kids, decisions that as someone who's in recovery now, like, I can't believe I made those decisions because right. my soul – and exclusive focus was what? That next bag of crack cocaine. And there was nothing that was going to stop me from it. I would put my kids secondary, my life secondary, my job secondary. But I never hurt anyone intentionally, right? Yeah, sure. I never physically injured someone trying to get my crack. You know, Did I take money from my own account? Sure. Does my ex-wife say I, I took money? Sure, right? Yeah. You know, but I didn't. I didn't wasn't at the level where I knocked the little old lady on the on the corner and took her purse. Now I get that it drives people in addiction to that, but that wasn't my story. And I made poor decisions, but I didn't make decisions that would injure people. Does that make sense? It, it absolutely does, Alex. And I, you know, I can feel the same about myself. Uh, you know, stealing and all that, but never physically hurting somebody. Uh, I don't care how stoned I was. It never came into my mind. One of the guys that, um, that I look up to in, my, in the rooms, his name is Curtis. He always talks about in recovery when clean, right? Now, now the drugs are out of us, making decisions that do no harm to people. I, I, was, I, was, I was out somewhere socially with someone and I had some other people around. And he said to me, hey, you know, you, you brought someone around that they weren't comfortable with this person and you knew it and you didn't care. It was like a self-centered decision, and you did harm to the other person because they didn't want to see that other person. So you did harm clean, Alex. You got to really watch that, and that really resonated with me. I think I had maybe three years. That concept of do no harm. Now, when you're using, it's harder, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you're so focused on that next one, um, where it becomes interesting, at least in New Jersey, where you have the people, and you guys talked about driving, right? Who aren't intentionally running someone off the road or killing someone in their car. And when I was a young law clerk, I saw the parent of a deceased victim 
come in and advocate for the defendant because it was a driver, passenger, and it was a DWI death, right? And the, the victim's mother said, but for the grace of God, it would have been reversed. And she didn't want to see her son's best friend who killed him go to state wow. prison. Yeah. But in New Jersey, that's what we do. If yeah. you drive on drugs or alcohol and you kill someone with no prior criminal record, you are going to state prison. And I, I guess I accept that, but that one's a little different because it's not a knowing and purposeful act like we see here in South Carolina, right? Where we see with a, maybe a, a direct robbery where they're high, not blacked out. There's distinctions with knowing and purposeful, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yes, yes. Well, that's great advice, Alex. Thank you. Uh, and we all, we all appreciate you supporting this show because we know that you, 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 you watch or you listen to it uh, almost on a weekly basis. And we, we really do appreciate you. And maybe one day you could come into the studio here and we could talk about all these kind of cases. Sounds like a plan. And I love what you said about decision making, because my decision making from 13 on was that drug decision making. What I had to learn in recovery was how to make good decisions, how to pick the right friends, how to be around people that weren't going to encourage me to use. And that's a good reason for staying in a program and having a sponsor and getting advice. You see, one of your friends told you about that decision. That's the kind of friend you want. That'll say, hey, you know, that wasn't a great decision. We need that check-in until we have real adult decision-making again. So thanks for bringing that up. Thanks, Alex. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Alex. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks. Todd, welcome to Clean and Sober Radio. Hi. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Good. It's Sir Man Todd Klotz, right? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Um, You know, uh, this is probably way out there, but uh, this has to do with the war on drugs that the United States is been waging mm-hmm. you know if you think about the cartels and how many people they're killing and uh their their own people and you know different cartels against different cartels and i put this as a post it's uh, you know i kind of agree with the physical aspect of uh the war on drugs i know that may seem extreme but you know they're criminals in my mind they are, you know, and I don't know. It's it's uh, kind of out of my reach to suggest that, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's horrible. It, it's it, listen, uh, Todd. It is absolutely horrible, and that's why we were talking at the beginning of the show. These are murderers. They're not even. They're, I don't right. even call them drug. They're murderers, and they should be. Uh, dealt with as murderers and also as terrorists. Right. I mean, all them drug dealers with those uh, fentanyl and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're killing their customers. And I, I don't understand why would you do that? You Money. Know? Money. Money. Yeah, that's very true. Money and you're sick and you're despicable and every other adjective you can think of. Right, but uh, I, you know, I used to smoke pot, you know, and uh, I've I've latched on to some lace dope, you know, and uh, why why would they do that? You know, I just don't understand, and that's I don't know. It's a listen. It's a different wiring of your brain, and it's a it's it's hard for people like us to imagine people harming other people like that. It's hard to oh, exactly. Um, 
I don't know, just this has got me upset. It's just, it's like, uh, in my mind, it's time for the U.S. to step up and physically eradicate the, you know, the uh, uh, the labs or whatever. Because, you yeah. know, we, the Mexicans aren't doing their what they say they're doing, you know. Yeah. It's just everything with the cartels, money and stuff, and... It's like the cartels are their own militia, you know. Well, we we agree with That's, you, Todd, hundred percent. And when you're yeah. talking seventy thousand from synthetic drugs, right? So right. seventy thousand people a year, you know, over over a few years, that's World War Two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, there's no question in my mind. Like, like we need to treat this like terrorism, chemical well, weapons, it, the whole it, bit. Yes, it's a horrendous crime against, uh, you know, regular people. I mean, even even us addicts are people. We do not deserve to die by somebody's uh, manipulating the way the drugs are, you know, how they affect you. Um, it's just not right. I think we should. I think we should make it a real war on drugs, you know. Totally agree. Just, totally agree yeah. with that. You know, and hopefully, uh, uh, well, you know, I, I think the only way that actually will absolutely happen if the lawmakers in this country have been are getting affected by drugs in their own family, maybe they will wake up and say, "Hey, we got to really do something about this. This isn't just something that uh, kills other people's families." Right. You know. Right. So, I, I, Todd, we I think we all agree, and you know. Again, we we appreciate your support of this show. It means a lot to us. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys too. So, um, have a great yeah. weekend. All right, thank yeah. you. Thanks, Todd. See you, Todd. Take care, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. so I think in you know looking at our policies, there must be some break with our policy with Mexico. Last week, they kidnapped people and killed one. You would think two. that two they killed two. They had kidnapped four, and I've been telling people for years not to go to Mexico. The State Department should make it a stronger warning. We should already have a travel ban for Mexico. And then we should start doing something. Instead of just being their friend and being afraid of the cartels, we should have some policy that addresses this. Now, all the drugs are not coming from Mexico, but a lot are. And then the other thing that I, I thought of was that when you have kids on the street we were talking a few years ago, maybe three, four years ago, about um, the packets. Like I could tell which ones had fentanyl because it has the clown face on the bag or this on the bag. And people from the streets told me you don't want to warn them because that's what they'll go for. You don't want to say this is the one that will kill you because they want the one that killed the next person because they think that will be the best high. So you have a terrible dichotomy of people wanting the stuff that killed somebody. Linda, did you know if there's a national drug czar anymore? Mark, do you know? We have a drug addiction person in the White House, and um, we do have that, but we don't have a czar, I don't think. Not that I've heard about. We used to have a drug czar. Uh, I think that was a title. But, I, you know, this caller from Todd, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Exactly. Listen, this is this is the, the big war about, against this country. This This kills more people than any other conflicts we're in mm-hmm. anywhere in the world. And I think it would work. I mean, I think that that these cartels would quickly switch 
if they started getting their labs bombed and they had the military after them, I think they would quickly see that this is not the direction they want to go. Um, and, you know, maybe switch back to regular heroin. Okay, well, you hear that and you're like, well, a lot less people will die, right? Synthetic hair, uh, synthetics are just killing so many more people than regular. Yeah. Or go legal. Look, That's we, a whole other thing. Look, I'll talk to myself. I, I don't know the whole story with this with Mexico and the United States, but it seems like we're not doing enough. And it seems like the people that are in charge in Mexico are not doing enough. Yeah. So maybe we need to have – uh, maybe we need to stop uh, taking, start taking away stuff uh, from Mexico. Like tourism, let's take but it. Tourism, uh, you know, put a ban on them coming into this country. Well, that that's a whole other thing. All right, all right. Um, um, but there there needs to be some kind of yeah. punishment. There does. I mean, right, and there isn't any. Yeah, it seems that way. Right. Yeah. And, and give us a call. Let us know what you think. Eight hundred six. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I got the wrong eight, number eight, here. Oh, eight, here, eight, here eight, eight, thank you, Gary. I was going to give you the, I was going to give him the, <laughs> the hotline. Um, eight, 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 seven, two, eight, nine, nine, four, one. Yeah. Do we treat Please this like in. terrorism? Do, let yeah, us know we? the synthetic drugs. Do we treat, treat, treat it like a chemical weapon? Send in the military. Because nothing's happening now. Right. No, it's yeah. not working now. It's 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 not working and getting worse. I mean, and then the xylazine's in the picture. I mean, we just had that article today about how how it's the leading cause of death and poisonings in young kids now, just from this stuff laying around, you know. Um, and it's in everything. They're putting it in speed, in cocaine, in in uh, Molly, in MDMA, in ecstasy, marijuana. No, they, uh, no, yeah, marijuana put, too. They're spraying it on the marijuana, so, but not as bad as the other because you can get legal marijuana now. So you, you don't have to really buy street marijuana anymore. But still, it's laced into everything. So, and isn't it amazing knowing that people still are not afraid? Because I guess nobody thinks they're going to die. I mean, or they wouldn't re- do it. Right. But people just keep using. And it's the and what really gets me and, you know, as an addictions counselor is the young adults, you know, hooked on. Imagine 19 years old, 20 years old. You know, we had no brain back then, basically, you Mm -hmm. know, hooked on this stuff and they can't get off. I mean, you know, when you're working with them, a lot of times MAT is the only way to go. Medically assisted treatment. But they imagine that just being hooked at that age. Well, I was hooked at that age. Yeah. Not on that stuff. On right. that, but we were hooked on stuff, Linda. We can talk because Mark was probably still in his diapers. He's just a baby. Yeah, I wasn't born yet. Whatever we took wouldn't kill us. No, whatever we took wouldn't kill us. There was no question. I never took enough to you know, and you, we knew what we were doing, sort of, and we weren't. But this stuff was not mixed into all the drugs we took back then. I would be petrified to buy street drugs now. Petrified. Would you really if you were not active addict? I don't know. I yeah. mean, I might have to. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people have to because of our drug law where the doctors can't prescribe too much. They can't. The doctor shopping doesn't work anymore. So maybe a lot of these people have gone to illicit drugs. So, so what you're saying, maybe that was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know? Um, all right. Great. Listen, uh, when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. I think it's very informative. Give us a call. one 888 
This is Clean and Sober Radio. Diversity in the workplace is more than gender, ethnicity, and even age. It also means people in recovery. The Higher Calling Foundation works to end the stigma of substance use disorders in the workplace by helping those in recovery find jobs, get career counseling, and more. All things insurance doesn't cover, and all at no cost. And encouraging businesses to hire employees in recovery. Because with the great resignation, there are jobs to be filled, and employees in recovery are an untapped demographic. It's mutually beneficial, and it's simply good business. Started by employment attorney in recovery, Kevin Heyer, the Higher Calling Foundation believes everyone deserves a second chance and works to make that happen. And now, diversity in the workplace demands it. Visit HigherCalling.org. That's H-Y-E-R Calling.org. And find out how we can help you. Hi, I'm Tony Luke Jr. And I listen to Clean and Sober Radio. 888-728-9941. This is Clean and Sober Radio. Open forum time, everybody. Give us a call. You got the number. Jerry G. from Tampa, Florida writes, My wife's is in an act is an active alcoholic. I'm nervous to confront her. Um, this is becoming a nightmare. Any suggestions, guys? By the way, I love the show. Any suggestions? That's a tough question. It is, and and you know, one of the things you could you could organize an intervention, right? Um, you know, call an interventionist to get some help with this. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those things where it's with compassion, with love. Right. Um, that that's really important. And also being able to put up boundaries about the situation, but also in a loving way. What do you think, Linda? I agree. It has to be in a loving way. It can't be in a pointing a finger way. It has to be. We understand you have a problem. But denial, as you know, mm-hmm. is the strongest. I can't get past it sometimes with clients. The denial yeah. is they're <clears throat> not doing anything wrong and they feel like they're just social drinkers and just partying and sometimes they can't see it and it takes multiple interventions or multiple tries and that's why when somebody's the 12th time in rehab you don't throw your hands up you say maybe this time will be the time they get it and it doesn't matter how long it takes you Mm -hmm. if you get it you get it and it'll be wonderful so i would take a step to start maybe talk to her doctor or your family members or some friends that are willing to lovingly say to her we're worried about you we're concerned about you you know, this is kind of like a unique disease that affects not the person with the disease, the people around them more than the person with the disease. Yes. I mean, look, I know what it's like. Know. You know what it's we like. Um, and hopefully you'll never know what it's like. Uh, but it is it's it just rips apart the family. And the thing about the uh, interventions, you have to be very careful, though. You have to use a really a professional mm-hmm. person, not just your friends, you know. Uh, yeah. Or, or even the, or even somebody from work, you, you need to use somebody that knows what they're doing because it, it can really backfire. Oh, it can. How many times do you try and then you have to go back again? I don't do interventions, but Mark does. Oh, no, I, I don't do interventions either. Oh, okay. Because they're um, so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have friends that do them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, usually they succeed is what I get in terms of getting somebody into treatment. What happens after that? You don't know. But you know, they usually I, succeed. I mean, I, I'm sure this is a possibility because we did it in our own house. 
an intervention and the person goes in because they're under duress. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's probably not the best way because, uh, uh, as you said, they're only going there for uh, to get the heat off of them. But on the other hand, like when I went into rehab, I went in because of the law, no intentions of stopping. And then I was when I was in there, it started to like seep in, hey, maybe there's a better way. And you got to be careful too. You know, there's this whole idea of tough love, right? Where, but some people take it, it kind of differs from family to family. Some people, you know, if you, you talk to a friend, they'll be like, oh, well, you got to kick them out. Wow. The problem these days is with the fentanyl, um, they could very well, you know, die. I mean, they can die if they stay there, but you have to be really careful. It's not a black and white thing is what I've kind of, you know, experienced over the years yeah. as a counselor. Absolutely. And it used to be. Yes. Throw them out of the house. Yeah. yeah that doesn't, that's. It doesn't work anymore. That doesn't work anymore. It can be re really dangerous, you know, and um, I mean, there may be some cases, you know, there's stealing going on. There's all kinds of things that's affecting, you know, there's other, sometimes you'll have somebody that has younger siblings in the house and they're using something like fentanyl and God forbid they leave it around. Like there's some, some circumstances, but it, it really, you got to take it case by case. Yeah. Good points. Yeah, all good points. Um, Daniel C. from Morgantown, Pennsylvania. What are the pros and cons to going inpatient as opposed to outpatient treatment? Mark? Linda? So, you know, with outpatient, um, the pros are you can do it from your, from your home, you know, and go in. Um, and you can do it and still be around your family. The issue is is that a lot of times outpatient alone won't be successful if somebody's far enough down the, the tree of addiction, you know, and, and needs to go inpatient first. Um, because inpatient, you can get, you'll get medically detoxed. Um, you'll have, be in a safe environment for a while. Then it's, it's a step down. Outpatient is a step down from inpatient. Yeah. Um, so. Linda, do you ever get this? I mean, the, the uh, objection is I have a job. I, I can't go inpatient. I mean, I just can't do it. My answer to that is wait six months, you won't have a job. <laughs> so it's fine. They figured you out at work and it won't. Now, just so you know, there's, um, you know, the two things you must go in rehab for is alcohol and benzos because you can seize when you withdraw on your own. So that's why we're talking about a medically safe detox. And that's why with alcohol and Zannies and stuff like that, that we will encourage you. You don't have to do it for heroin. You won't die from the DTs from mm -hmm. heroin, mm -hmm. but you'll do better if there's medically assisted mm -hmm. all the way around and if you're offered different things that will help you. And being away from your environment is part of the treatment. That's the big part of treatment. Maybe your family all uses Maybe you're in a bad neighborhood. Maybe there's a good way to remove you from everything. And I've had people who you ask them, can you go home safely? And they'll say no. So you have to find them recovery houses. And that's our big thing now. The focus is to have recovery houses that work after the 30-day treatment. Right. So there is a place for recovery houses. There's a place for inpatient. And there's a place for outpatient. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes they won't be ready, and and you know I'll have somebody an outpatient, and and you're planting seeds, and you're fine, you know. Finally, they have another relapse, and they're like, "I will go inpatient," mm -hmm. uh, you know. So, um, and then you know sometimes it's medically assisted treatment. Sometimes people are are on um, medically assisted treatment, and then do an outpatient. So, but it is case by case. Yeah, I mean, for me, 
I had to go inpatient, I believe, you know. Mm -hmm. I, outpatient, I don't think, would have worked for somebody like me. Now, what what did you do? Did I you, went right to N.A. It, it went right it worked to the for me. Right yes. to the meetings. Yes. yes. That, okay, that's – look, there are all these options, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Linda, what did you do? My first time I went right to meetings. Yeah. And 12 years ago when I was hooked on painkillers, yeah. I did have to go in treatment. And I was there for 35 days and then went back 90 and 90, two years meeting every day. Right, right. And you never – I mean I've dealt with a lot of people with opioid addictions and without medically assisted treatment or something like that, they come into treatment and they're like, yeah, I'm going to stop this. So I'm going to stay off of it. It's, it's very, very rare it is that so they're hard. able to. You know, I mean, it's it's not something that you see. I mean, I would say what one in forty, one right. in fifty. It's I mean, it's hard. it's really difficult. You know, um, with the opioids to just stop and not do some kind of inpatient treatment yeah. or medically assisted treatment. You know, it, I think it's fascinating to me to think that somebody can use uh, an opioid and in a week become addicted. It's yes. unbelievable. Even people who aren't don't have the gene for addiction can get addicted to opioids. It's scary and fascinating. <laughs> it is. It is. And, 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 you know, Linda just said it. Um, you know, we're seeing usually the case was always you're finding genetics, you know, all around the family. But you're seeing with these opioids that, like, there isn't that predisposition sometimes, right. you know. And, um, it's a, yeah. It's it's. It, it's fascinating and scary, you know. Um, before we, we, we break for the show, end the show, I just want to mention Betsy Green has been watching. Tammy Dugan Herder has been watching. And we appreciate all of the support, support that we get on the show. And guys, if you're watching and listening, there's a better way. Do whatever you can figure out to get yourself into some kind of treatment and uh, end your nightmare early so you don't have to – live like this for years and years and years. Linda, thanks so much for coming in again. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. Um, remember, if you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, help is available. Please call 1-800-662-HELP. For Clean and Sober Radio, I'm Gary Hendler. I'm Mark Sigmund. Thank you for listening. To learn more about this broadcast, please join us on our mission at cleanandsoberbroadcasting.com. Say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves. I hope we pass the audition. <laughs> <laughs>